Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Friday episode for week eight of uh, this NBA season. I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Uh, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, we want to appreciate, uh, express our appreciation for you, and we appreciate your support on the show. Um, I'm running against the clock. I'm trying to see if we can get this episode uh, finalized and posted before midnight. We're recording it a little bit later than usual. So that being said, let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's jump right into things with our five on five drill, six men, and of course, our key news. We certainly have a week of exciting action, or rather, last couple of days of action, of course, on a day when I'm trying to record a little bit more quickly. But let's see if we can get through this. We're going to start with uh, some games from uh, Wednesday night's action. Let me go ahead and confirm. Yes, Wednesday. Uh, What's that Wednesday? Oh, I have the wrong game selected here, don't I? That was not the game I meant to pick. We're off to a flying start. Um we were going to talk about this one. Let's go ahead and get that pulled up if we can. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, for real this time, we're not talking about that game. We're talking about uh, the Los Angeles Lakers in uh, San Antonio against the Spurs, winning it narrowly 122 to 119. Your final score, the show off between Anthony Davis and the rookie sensation Victor Wenbanyama. Of course, LeBron did not play in this game. Um, that being said, the Lakers still dominated. Um, as much as we talked about the Pistons struggling, the Spurs have been struggling themselves. Uh, they are now losers of 17 straight. Uh, so not too far behind the Pistons. Um, Pretty close in the rebounds and the assists, but the Lakers uh, kept forcing turnovers for the Spurs, even though those were close too. But the shooting percentages in the Lakers' favor, close game. Um, Lakers made up for some some tough free throw shooting uh, to get the win here. For the Spurs, they were led by Victor Wembanyama, of course, 30 points, 13 rebounds, about six blocks and three steals for the rookie. Uh, if you want some stats, I have a quick stat for you here. The eighth rookie uh, since blocks were tracked and uh when that started in 1974 uh their 73 74 season to post a 30 10 and 5 game uh so pretty phenomenal stat for him uh he <clears throat> despite the spurs struggles he's had some great moments Keldon johnson with 28 points and eight assists um and then uh, 19 for malachi branham 13 for Devin Vassell and 10 off the bench for Zach Collins. How about Wimbanyama and Johnson combined eight for nine from the three point line? Very efficient. Kelton Johnson, 71% from the floor. Pretty impressive for the Lakers. Anthony Davis, 37 points and 10 rebounds with four steals, uh, about 56% from the floor, two of three from three. How much more he could have done there. Stellar game, 17 points for Torian Prince, 13 for Roy Hachimura, uh, 15 off the bench for Austin Reeves, and then 12 for D'Angelo Russell with 10 assists and three steals, along with Cam Reddish, 10 points and three steals as well. Uh, so just a touch more well-rounded, um, shooting a little bit better as a team. They shot, uh, again, 53% from the floor. So, um, you know, Davis powering them to the win and a great job by the Lakers to get the win in this one. Uh, let's move on to the next game. And this was certainly the most noteworthy of the last couple of days. The um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Indiana Pacers. They win the game one forty to one twenty six. 
that is uh, the important thing, I suppose. Uh, back and forth game, especially in the first half and early third quarter. But more importantly, a record-breaking game for one Giannis Antetokounmpo. 64 points, 14 rebounds, 4 steals and a block. 64 points, now the, the newest franchise record for the Milwaukee Bucks for points in a game by an individual player. Previously held by Michael Redd, he had 57 points in a game. So uh, this shatters that previous record, and uh, it's the highest scoring game of any player some uh so far this season in a game. So phenomenal game for one of the greats of our generation. Uh, 20 of 28 from the floor shot about 71% and then made up for the difference with 24 made free throws on 32 attempts, 75%. My goodness. I would proffer to say that's in the top uh, ranks of one of the most, um, some of the most free throws shot, in a game by an individual player. I want to see if I can find um, find this stat for you. Let's see. Free throw attempts. Single game. Uh, pretty close. The That is now fifth all time. Uh, pretty remarkable. The most, Dwight Howard twice had 39 attempts in his prime years in Orlando. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how many made in those games, uh, 25 of 39 for 64% in one game. And then, uh, probably something similar in the other game against the warriors, 21 of 39, 53%, 45 points that night though. didn't seem to matter too much, but, uh, that's besides the point. Crazy record. Nonetheless, great, great scoring still shot 71% from the floor. So got most of those points or a good chunk of them. Uh, 21 points for Damian Lillard with six assists, uh, 14 for Chris Middleton, the 19 off the bench for Bobby Portis. Uh, so solid supporting game uh, for the other guys uh, for Indiana. They had 22 points each for miles Turner and Halliburton Halliburton with seven assists, uh, Turner with nine rebounds, 14 off the bench for Benedict Mather and uh, 12 for Aaron Neesmith. And, uh, the Bucks dominate the game. Some some scuffles in the game, uh, and then after the after the game, there's you know Pacers reportedly took the the record breaking ball to their locker room. Giannis chased after it. There was a scuffle in the locker room following the game. Not the way you want to close out a record breaking game, I imagine. But um, that'll be more of a footnote in kind of the meme culture, I imagine, rather than what we remember this game for remember it for you know another uh another check mark on the legendary career that Giannis is building for himself so great game for him and great game for the bucks they get the win uh let's move on to our next game and this one go ahead and double check uh the dates here for you this was the last game from uh wednesday night the two previous games were from wednesday as well and the brooklyn nets go into uh, Phoenix against the Suns and they win that game 116 to 112 kind of a revenge game for Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson maybe back and forth affair 16 lead changes and the Nets spoil the debut of the Suns big three in earnest uh, all three of their star players playing in this game for uh, Phoenix they were led by Devin Booker 34 points and 12 assists uh, Durant 27 points six boards two blocks a steal 
Uh, and then Bradley Beal with 14 points, four assists in uh, somewhat limited minutes, but still played a good amount. How about Yusuf Nurkic, 15 points and 22 rebounds with two blocks. He's had some great games for them, and he's uh, he's been a winning uh, contributor so far. And then 10 points off the bench for Nasir Little as well. Uh, we know the stars are going to impact it. And if you can get that game kind of game from Nurkic, that's great. But the supporting cast, 14 points from the rest of the guys combined. And that's including eight from Chemezi Metu, the other starter. Uh, off the bench after Nasir Little's 10, they only had four, four other points. So I don't know. That's a concern still. For Brooklyn, they were led by Cam Thomas, actually 24 points in this game. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is 21. Uh, in support of him, then Cameron Johnson, 15 points, five boards, two steals, two blocks. Uh, that was 15 points, rather. 14 for Nick Claxton, and then 16 for Spencer Dinwiddie with eight rebounds, seven assists. Great all-around game for them. And they didn't shoot that great from the floor, but they uh, shot better from three than the Suns, and they are able to get the win. So credit to Brooklyn for getting that one out and getting the win there. And then finally, we're going to end with a couple games from last night's action, Thursday night. And we're going to start with the Boston Celtics winning at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers, 116 to 107, your final score in Boston. Uh, Boston never trailed in this game, uh, out-rebounded the Cavs by a little bit. Uh, How about eight blocks to Cleveland's one, and then uh, a little bit better percentage from the floor overall. So, just a little bit better than Cleveland in this game. For the Cavs, they were led by Donovan Mitchell, 31 points, 8 boards, 6 assists. And then Karis LeVert had 26 points off the bench, 5 assists and 3 steals. Darius Garland with 19 points in this game, along with 3 assists. And uh, those are the double-figure scores for the Cavaliers. Meanwhile, for the Celtics, they were led by Jason Tatum, as you might expect, 27 points, eight, 11 rebounds in this game. Jalen Brown with 22 points. 18 for Chris Epps Porzingis back in the lineup, uh, 15 for Drew Holiday, and then 14 for Derek White. Um, just a well-balanced attack. One of the reasons the Celtics have been arguably the best team in the NBA so far this season, and uh, they get another win at home against the Cavaliers. Then finally, let's end off in uh, Sacramento with the Kings winning at home against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 128-123, to your final score. Uh, dominant games from both Shea Gilders-Alexander and De'Aaron Fox, four, uh, 12, lead, 12 lead changes, excuse me, in this game, back-and-forth contest, but the Kings, for the most part, or, owned the fourth quarter and staved off a late run by the Thunder in the final few minutes. Uh, for the Thunder, they were led again. Shea Gilders-Alexander, 43 points, nine assists in this game. Uh, they got 18 from Josh Giddy, 17 from Lou Dort, and then 14 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks for the rookie sensation Chet Holmgren. Uh, meanwhile, for Sacramento, 41 points, seven assists, uh, two steals for De'Aaron Fox, 56% from the floor and five of 11 from three. Then they got 18 points, 16 rebounds from DeMontis Sabonis. They got 18 off the bench from Malik Monk, uh, along with nine assists. He was four of eight from three. They got 17 off the bench from Keon Ellis, the rookie. How about five of seven from three for the rookie? And then 15 points for Keegan Murray as well. Uh, a little bit more balanced as a team. Uh, great offensive night for the Kings. 40% from three as a team compared to Oklahoma City's 30%. And the Kings get the win at home. Well, real quick. Just speed through the other games we didn't have a chance to go in more in depth on. Uh, Pelicans beat the Wizards in Washington 142 to 122. Ingram with 40 points in that game. Uh, this is all from Wednesday night's action, by the way. Philadelphia 76ers win in Detroit against the Pistons 129 to 111. And Bede with 41 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, Toronto Raptors win at home against the Atlanta Hawks 135 to 128. Trey Young 35 and 17 against uh, Pascal Siakam's 33 points, 7 boards, 7 assists. 
the Miami Heat win at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 115 to 104. Terry Rozier, 28 points in the loss for the Hornets. Uh, the Houston Rockets win at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 117 to 104. Jaron Jackson Jr. with 44 points uh, going up against Terry Eason, 25 points and 14 rebounds for Eason. So a nice game for him. Uh, and then finally for Wednesday, uh, Utah Jazz went at home against the New York Knicks, 117 to 113. Julius Randle, 32 points, 12 boards, uh, but Colin Sexton, 26 points and seven assists. And that's your Wednesday night action. The other games from Thursday, uh, the Chicago Bulls won in Miami against the Heat, 124 to 116. Kobe White with 26 points, 11 assists. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves won in Dallas against the Mavericks, 119 to 101, overcoming Luka Doncic's 20, uh, 39 points and 13 assists. Uh, the Denver Nuggets won at home against the Brooklyn Nets, 124 to 101. Jokic with another triple-double, 26 points, 14 boards, 10 assists in that game. The Utah Jazz won at uh, Portland against the Trailblazers, 122 to 114, uh, overcoming Scoot Henderson's 23 points and 10 assists. And then finally, the LA Clippers won at home against the Golden State Warriors, uh, 121 to 113. Harden with 28 points and 15 assists in the game to overcome Klay Thompson's 30 points. And that is a very quick rundown through those other games. And that gets us to the key news real quick. Um, big news, uh, sad news, actually, out of, uh, well, we'll start with big news. Um, started with a big I, I don't want to let that be the lead in for the for that other news um for the Memphis Grizzlies yeah let's start with this one John Morant is expected to make his season debut Tuesday in New Orleans against the Pelicans uh that game just so happens to be on TNT so uh lucked out there we'll probably all be watching to see how he looks in his return to action what the fan reception will be is maybe an interesting um thing to look for but uh I don't know We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, let's go to uh, this item out of Indiana and uh, kind of related to the Sixers as well. Sad news yesterday. Uh, franchise legend for the Pacers, George McGinnis, passed away at the age of 73. And, uh, of course, a all-time great for the Pacers, especially in the ABA days. Uh, was a all-star in Philadelphia as well with the 76ers uh, right after the merger of the two leagues. And a great player. Um, hopefully we have a chance to talk a little bit more about him uh, at some point in the future. Um, but just a tough loss for the NBA family as a whole. One of the greats. Um, tough news for Cleveland. They are going to be without two stars for several weeks. Firstly, Evan Mobley is out six to eight weeks for arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. And then Darius Garland on top of that is out four weeks with a fractured jaw. You're losing two of your best players um, two starters for sure. And now Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, and Jared Allen, those three guys are really going to have to carry their weight uh, to see if they can keep the team's record afloat uh, as they haven't been totally stellar to begin with uh, this season. They've been solid, but they, you would hope they'd be a touch better, but we'll have to see how they react. Um, also, interesting note for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, they've ag agreed rather to a multi-year contract extension with Daryl Morey. So he's going to be staying there for a while, continuing to call the shots in the uh, in the front office with the roster. So that's big news for them. And then finally, some transactions. Uh, a couple of uh, notable names here for the Indiana Pacers. They have signed uh, forward James Johnson to a rest of season contract, bringing him back in. Interesting note. Uh, for the Sacramento Kings, they've signed forward Juan Toscano Anderson to a rest of season contract to give themselves a little bit more depth at the uh, in the front court spot. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs have uh, waived guard Sir, Sir Jabari Rice 
who was on a two-way deal, and they've signed guard David Duke Jr. to a two-way contract to kind of replace that loss. And then finally, the Charlotte Hornets have signed center Nathan Menza to a two-way contract. No word on the uh, two-way deal that they would have waived or let go to uh, make room for Menza, so maybe we'll see that uh, over the weekend. But uh, yeah, again, a quick rundown there. Let's real quick see if I missed anything as far as other records that happened. Uh, Lillard did, Damian Lillard did pass Kyle Korver for fifth all-time in career three-point makes, so he joins that uh, illustrious company, of course, with... uh, that top five, you know, Ray Allen's in there, Reggie Miller, uh, Steph Curry, and now uh, Damian Lillard in that group. Uh, certainly one of the greats uh, of the three-point shooting uh, pantheon, I suppose. Um, and then how about some rec- records for Nikola Jokic? First NBA player with at least 10 t- triple doubles in seven straight seasons. Uh, that consistency, even a guy like a Westbrook, Russell Westbrook hasn't done something like that or Oscar Robertson. So pretty elite company. And that's a pretty incredible record. But uh, with that, that's going to take care of our key news. Let's go ahead and jump right into our latest franchise focus this time, talking about the Golden State Warriors. Franchise focus. All right, here we go. And again, we're going a little bit quick. Let's see how fast we can get through this. And apologies to the Warriors. I think they've had enough success where we can abbreviate our conversation about them. Of course, there's concerns this season. They're 10 and 14. They're below 500. Uh, new executive Mike Dunleavy. I mean, he's he's still pulling the strings. And uh, I mean, he was, of course, part of the front office in a capacity Uh as recent as their most recent championship in 2022. Um, so I don't think that he's you know, not going to be able to steer the ship, but um, even you could have the greatest general manager of all time in there. And maybe there's still, it's still their time. That's kind of what the thought is now. Curry's still elite 28, 29 points, nearly uh, a game, five boards, four assists, 41% from three. He's not going anywhere. He is not slowing down. He's been great. Clay, not as great. And I've defended his play the last couple of years. People, people saying he doesn't look as good as he, as he was, but he was still effective enough to help be part of that championship team. But now he seems to be not as doing, doing as great. You know, that's a concern. Andrew Wiggins only about 12 points a game this season. That's rough. Uh, Kavon Looney is still productive as a starting center. And then Draymond still getting some of his stats, but again, multiple suspensions, there's concerns about his ability to stay on the floor and not uh, cause issues for the team. Um, you like the bench for them in the sense of uh, Saric, Kaminga, Pajemski, and Moody. Those guys have been productive, and their bench has been more of a bright spot than some of their starting pieces in, in a weird way. Uh, Pajemski shooting about 41% from three as a rookie. Very exciting for the Warriors to have gotten him. Uh, Kaminga has taken a step forward a little bit. Sarge has been a nice, uh, kind of redemption story there. Uh, Gary Payton, the second dealing with injury, Corey Joseph, um, playing spot minutes as a veteran point guard. And then of course, Chris Paul, how could we forget Chris Paul, uh, third most minutes, despite only starting a third of the games for the Warriors veteran point guard in the twilight of his career. It seems at this point leading that second unit that again has been the bright spot for the Warriors. Um, they, they, you know, Steve Kerr's tinkered with the starting lineup to try and find that right balance. 
he's proven himself to be a very competent head coach. I imagine that he's going to be able to right the ship in a sense. I picture the Warriors being somewhere close to 500 because I feel like they're starting to be in a little more of a a, route, a, a rut where they're going to be losing some more games. But by the end of the season, they'll pick up more wins and they'll be around 500. They'll maybe be in the play-in mix. That's kind of where I see this team going. Long-term future, Steph will slowly decline and play potentially. Um don't be surprised, honestly, if you see someone like a Clay Thompson or a Draymond Green moved on, certainly an Andrew Wiggins, um, just because, you know, they're going to they know that every team, every all time great dynasty or one of the great teams of an era ha- has a time where they're going to be susceptible to age or, you know, play falling off um, players falling out of their prime or not quite in their prime and things like that. So. I feel like the Warriors, if they're as smart as they have been uh, or as smart as they'd like to be, they probably are going to recognize that, you know, this thing's kind of getting towards its end. You know, I don't know if, you know, we don't know if we can milk more of a a contending team out of this. So let's see if we can, you know, break things up and make some difficult choices, but, you know, try and aid ourselves long-term get better drafts positioning, see, you know, what we can retool the steam into and what, what they can be um, in the near future with some, some different talent. So I don't know. And again, that's a bit drastic because I think Curry's going to be there for the rest of his career. I would like clay clay to be there the rest of his career and, and kind of Draymond too. I feel like they've earned that to, to be, you know, something of an anomaly in this current age of franchise greats who stay with the franchise. Um, in a decision on both accounts, you know, some, sometimes it's the player. A lot of times it's the player, you know, wanting to move on, but sometimes it's franchise who will trade a player. Um, and so if those three guys could stay there long-term, that would be very special. But uh, you know, Chris Paul, don't be surprised if he's moved um, where they're not really contending uh, a team that is contending, wants some veteran point guard play. Um, you know, Sarge could be a nice piece to flip to someone else. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Warriors, but uh, play-in is kind of the 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 thought for me as far as their the season, the next season or two after that. Um, I don't know. I just don't think they're quite at that same level, but they had a great level uh, in recent years, and they've had some great teams, man. I mean, of course, one of the great storied franchises of the NBA's history, despite some uh, some lean stretches, um, they have a below five hundred winning percentage because. Um, throughout much of the 2000s and the late 90s, throughout the late 70s, early 80s, they've had some really not great teams uh, in that span, especially late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, some very bad teams in that time. Uh, They had a span from 95 to 2012 where they only made the playoffs once in that We Believe year in 07. We're not talking about that team, though. We're going to talk about the 94 team, the last team to make it, uh, before that 07 team made it to the playoffs, the 1994 Golden State Warriors, a team with a record of 50 and 32, head coach and GM Don Nelson, uh, ahead of his time a little bit. And this roster, you talk about what if stories, and Secret Base has a great video about this in their beef history with Chris Webber and Don Nelson. That was what happened with this team. That was the downfall. The the what if ends there, but. The talent on this team, if I give you 
Chris Mullen, Latrell Sprewell, and Chris Weber, a prime Latrell Sprewell before any of the choking incident. That is talent. That is a team right there. You could win games, and they they did win games. They won 50 games with that roster. Sprewell, 21 points, five boards, five assists, two steals. All NBA level. Full stop, end of story. Chris Mullen's still playing at high level. 17 points a game, uh, five and a half boards, five assists, 1.7 steals. Uh, shooting very well, the lefty touch. And then Chris Weber, the rookie center, uh, power forward center, played center for this team, of course, because it's Don Nelson, but 17 points, nine boards, two blocks, a steal, and about three and a half assists. I mean, the versatility, they're scoring all, all throughout here, but there's underrated defense, especially with Weber, and a fantastic mix. And then you add, a, you know, a, a three move to a four kind of in Billy Owens, uh, but still had good size and was a, a solid pro, uh, especially at this point. This was kind of in his prime. Uh, and then Avery Johnson, a veteran point guard, or actually at this point, not quite a veteran. This was early in his career. Uh, he had only been in the league for about four or five seasons at this point. But this was his opportunity to to get meaningful minutes, start more games. He had started a lot of games the previous year with San Antonio. But this time around, he gets even more. He's a little bit better in the... Uh, Man, the scoring category, not really a, um, well, no, the scoring and the assists and uh, leading this team at the point. The The trouble is off the bench, not a lot of names that are, are jumping out at you. Jeff Grayer, uh, Chris Gatling could, uh, a one-time All-Star, actually, in a couple of years after the season, uh, combined with Dallas and New Jersey, especially that first half of the season with Dallas um, in a area where there are maybe a touch lean on, on stars, but um, yeah, the bench is really where this team kind of falls short. Um, but that starting lineup, very, very potent. And uh, they lose in the playoffs in the first round, uh, an Oh three series against the Phoenix suns, um, a tough series, but we'll definitely make sure we talk about um, one of the, the games of that series. Let's see if we can get the series stats here. Um, Warrior Suns. There was a wild game in this one, the final game that uh, that deciding game three that was in Golden State, and um, the first quarter in this game alone. Let me see if I can find those stats. I don't know if it's going to let me pull those numbers up, but um, <clears throat> the first quarter and especially the first half, both teams went on unbelievable offensive tears. Um, Charles Barkley with a playoff career high, 56 points for the Suns in their win. Um, Mullen with 30, Sprewell with 27, Owens with 18, Weber with 16, also 13 assists and eight rebounds. Um, it was just such a, a bright spark of a team. And then again, the, the beef with Don Nelson ended it suddenly. If, if I want to leave you with something for this team, Look up on YouTube the NBA's posting of this game in full and watch that first half. It is something wild, especially for the 90s, an era with a little bit less scoring output, um, generally speaking. But uh, a fantastic team. And with that, we're going to move to a fantastic player. And this is someone who is from a bygone era and uh, a forgotten name for many. We're talking about Paul Arizon. Uh, Pitchin' Paul or Poppin' Paul, uh, some nicknames for him. About a 10-time All-Star throughout basically all the 50s and early and into the early 60s. 
um, abridged by or abridging rather two seasons in 53 and 54 where he did not play due to serving in the Marines. Again, different era before the uh, military service averaged about 25 points a game in the 52 season comes back in the 55 season averages 21 points a game picks it up again. Uh, gets back up to 25 and 57. Again, this is a 50s. A guy to be averaging 25 points a game is about averaging like 29 a game, 30 a game in this era, especially. Um, the shooting percentage is not very high, about a 42% shooter from the floor for his career, but an 81% free throw shooter. Again, very good for his era. Um, 8.6 rebounds per game, mainly a small forward at 6'4". Um, number 11 for the Warriors. Surprising that the Warriors had not retired 11 before Clay Thompson got there. Um, if their number is retired for Clay, they maybe should consider a, a, a dual retirement, you know, Paul Arison and Clay Thompson, because Arison, Arison was one of the first greats for the Warriors, along with Joe Folks and Neil Johnston uh, for these Warriors teams that uh, wouldn't you know it won championships and he won the 1906, uh, 1956 NBA championship with Philadelphia Warriors. Missed out on some championships, I believe, in 53 and or 54 because of his military service. Um, let me double check that for sure. Um, no, it did not. I was mistaken. It was the, the 40s. Um, yeah, the very first NBA championship or BAA championship the Warriors won. So that was my mistake. But uh, yeah, won a championship uh, in the, the mid-50s, 56. Um, with, you know, folks and, and, and Johnston, I believe on that team, certainly Johnston, um, two time scoring champion in the league, those 25 point per game seasons, uh, all-star game MVP in 52, the very early days of that, of the all-star game. And he was on the 75th anniversary team. And I was of course on the 50 greatest players team as well. Uh, just a great player. And I, I love the looking back on the, the, bygone era of the NBA of these players that don't get talked about. Um, if you're curious about his service in the Marines, that was during the Korean war. Uh, so that was that, uh, that time. Um, let's see. So no folks was early in the career, but he also played with Tom Gola and then later Wilt Chamberlain uh, in the early sixties. So overlapping careers, Paul Arizon and, and Wilt Chamberlain uh, kind of unique as well. Um, when he retired, no player had retired from the game with a higher scoring average. Uh, he had averaged 21.9 points per game in his career. And that stood until Bob Pettit retired with a 22.5 points per game average. Uh, so pretty phenomenal. And even after he retired, he continued to play. He played in the Eastern professional basketball league, uh, with the Camden bullets, uh, in Camden, let's see, Camden, New Jersey, and also played in Cherry Hill. So just a phenomenal career. Um, and I, I'm sure I say that exact line with most of these players, but um, Paul Arizon, you know, one, one of the early greats of uh, a league that was still kind of finding itself. And I suppose we'll, we'll leave it at that. Definitely recommend looking him up. Cool guy. But uh, with that, I think that takes care of our franchise focus. Let's see if we can move on real quick into a very brief fantasy Fridays conversation.
Okay, with my fantasy team, uh, things are a little bit tough because I have now Evan Mobley, who's completely out and uh, haven't had a chance to look at making some moves. I had some trades that I uh, proposed for some some people, but uh, alas, those trades were they there was no interest in those trades. Um, I was looking to get a, a forward. Uh, of some higher capability in the all-round game. I was looking at Scotty Barnes made a trade request for for Barnes with a couple players. I, I did kind of trade packages. Like, I'll give you a few guys of a little bit less talent if you'll give me this guy with slightly higher talent. Didn't quite work. Same thing with Mikael Bridges. Offered a different forward and a guard for Mikael Bridges. Didn't quite happen. So I, I have explored the trade market. I haven't found anything yet. Uh, I'm, I've got to look back at the, the signings, uh, see what we might be able to find there. But uh, we'll real quick uh, talk about maybe some players to, to watch out for in my, again, very uneducated fantasy opinion. Uh, we'll start with Bo, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. The last uh, week or so averaged nearly 10 points per game, more than his uh, average so far this season. Uh, was grabbing more boards, shooting a better percentage from the floor. Um, he had a career high one of those nights, so that may be inflate, inflated the numbers a bit, but he's been shooting well recently. Um, and he's been an under the radar six man of the year candidate. So maybe one to watch out for um, if he's available or if you're interested in finding someone like that in your league. One player that's, I have some concerns about is Jalen Brunson. Um, I mean, over the last week, the numbers aren't hugely different, just a couple less points and a little bit less efficient, especially from three, nearly 25% worse from three over the last week some some poor shooting nights from the three-point range um and he's just been a little more inconsistent and especially as far as you know solid 20 you know 20 mid 20s per game and it's weird because that's what he is averaging but it seems like there's a lot of nights where he gets 17 a game uh 15 in a game and then low assists as well um so just watch for that and especially with what the knicks do over the next few weeks a team that's been stagnant compared to recent seasons and, and over the last few seasons, they want to continue to get better. Or they hope to get continue to get better. And so uh, something to watch for certainly with uh, the Knicks. And then finally a sleeper. How about Gordon Hayward um, in Charlotte, a forgotten team. We we have not talked about Charlotte at all, especially with LaMelo missing time um, over the last week or so. He's averaging about five more points per game and shooting very well from both the floor and three point range about 7% better from three over the last week. And um, he's productive, especially where you're missing uh, LaMelo. You know, Rozier is going to be the lead guard, and and Hayward has has an opportunity to just, to just play, as he's done in recent years a lot with Charlotte, where they haven't been that great. But, um, you know, he's seemingly been more healthy in recent seasons, knock on wood. But, um, you know, Hayward could be good. You know, keep an eye, maybe uh, take a flyer on him. He could be worth something. But uh, again, uneducated take on some players to look out for. And uh, that's it for a very, very brief take on our Fantasy Fridays. We don't have really any updates uh, of note on the prediction front as far as latest predictions. We'll check back on in on that next week. For now, let's run through the final big segment, our weekly or our weekend forecast, rather. The upcoming games this weekend and all the times I will give our Eastern Standard time. So keep that in mind as we run through this gauntlet. <clears throat> Here we go. Saturday, we've got 10 games for you. A doubleheader on NBA TV start uh, 
is your national broadcast at 7.30. Cavaliers host the Atlanta Hawks. And then at 10 o'clock, the Kings host the Jazz. A couple interesting matchups. Let's see if there's some uh, similar uh, exciting matchups for the remaining games. At 6 o'clock, the uh, Pistons are in Milwaukee against the Bucks. At 7 o'clock, the Charlotte Hornets host the Philadelphia 76ers. Back to that Pistons game. Let's see if they can break break the streak. Can they get the win against Milwaukee? That would be wild. Um, at 8 o'clock, Timberwolves host the Indiana Pacers. That'll be a sneaky good game. Uh, also at 8, the Heat host the Chicago Bulls in a rematch of uh, Thursday's matchup. At 8.30, the Warriors host the Brooklyn Nets. At 9 o'clock, the Trailblazers at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Also at 9, the Thunder travel to Denver to face the Nuggets. That should be probably the best game of the mat- of the night. And then at 10.30, the LA Clippers host the New York Knicks. Thunder Nuggets. Definitely watch out for that one. That should be very good indeed. On Sunday, you have five games, no national broadcasts, and a couple of early games. Firstly, at three, the Boston Celtics host the Orlando Magic in a matchup of the Easts, uh, a couple of these better teams. Also, And then at 3.30, the San Antonio Spurs host the New Orleans Pelicans. At 7 o'clock, Chicago Bulls host the Houston Rockets at 8. Phoenix Suns host the Washington Wizards. And then at 9 o'clock, Portland Trailblazers host the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Pelican Spurs is interesting, but definitely Magic Celtics. That would be my pick for that game on Sunday. And then finally on Monday, 11 games, one national broadcast on NBA TV at 9 o'clock. That's your Denver Nuggets hosting the Dallas Mavericks. Luka versus Jokic. That should be very entertaining to watch. Uh, Your remaining games at 7, the 76ers host the Chicago Bulls. Also at 7, the Pacers host the LA Clippers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers host the Houston Rockets. At 7.30, the Raptors host the Hornets, and also at 7.30, Heat hosts the Timberwolves, and the Pistons travel to Atlanta to face the Hawks. Is that the chance for them to get a win? We'll see. Hard to say. Um, At 8 o'clock, the Oklahoma City Thunder hosts the Memphis Grizzlies. At 9 o'clock, the Utah Jazz hosts the Brooklyn Nets. Can the Jazz go 3-0 in the week? Uh, I believe that would be the record, but, uh, you know, at least three and one, they could have a, a winning week for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, me as a jazz fan, hoping for that, uh, the Sacramento Kings host the Washington wizards. And then finally 10 30, a uh, bit of a rivalry matchup, the LA Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers at home against the New York Knicks, a matchup of your, your seventies finals, a couple of the seventies finals, um, three of them actually. I believe. Yeah. Three, three of those seventies finals, three and four years were Knicks Lakers. So watch out for that. That should be an interesting game. Um, You know, shades of the past, but uh, with that, that should take care of most of the show. Let's give you our, this day in history fact. Uh, We're going back to 1994, not too far. Uh, Recognizing that three point field goals were becoming more frequent at a shorter distance. The NBA announced that it was changing the statistical minimum from 50 to 82 of three-point baskets needed in order for a player to qualify for the three-point field goal percentage title. Again, from 94 season to 90, or no, actually 95 season, 97 season, I believe. Um, Yeah, it was 94. So it was a 95 season to 97 season. Uh, The three-point line was brought in to increase scoring. So interesting footnote. Uh, Yeah, December 15th of 1994, that happened. Uh, forgotten wrinkle in the NBA's rules history and the history of the three-point shot. But uh, let's go ahead and finish things off there. Thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate your support. If you want to check us out on social media, we're at 
uh, on Instagram and Facebook, we're at crossover across time, pretty straightforward. On Twitter slash X, whichever you prefer, we're at X over across time due to the character limit on the username. On all of those, you'll also find a link tree that will take you to uh, any of the other pages. It'll also take you to the podcast itself. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and RSS.com. So definitely, you know, support us in any way you can. Recommend us to friends or family. We'd appreciate that too. Um, with that, our kind of speed run version of the show. I apologize if any of that felt rushed, but I felt like we did a good job covering things while also having a more of a brisk pace. Um, but with that, that's our show. We'll be back with you on Monday uh, for the first of three episodes in three straight days. Wednesday's show next week will be our last episode before the holiday weekend. Um, so that'll be an exciting time. We'll preview the Christmas matchups at some point that week. We'll also have a bonus franchise focus for the Houston Rockets, I believe, uh, at some point. That's on Tuesday. Um, otherwise, we'll do our normal Monday and Wednesday stuff. Um, we'll be back with you on Monday Uh as we said, that's that's when you can expect us back. But again, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you Monday. <laughs>